Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have a conversation with Eric Rivera, solution architect at Red 8, an IT service management company. And Eric has been in the IT industry for 20 years, and he spent nearly a decade as director of IT for Axon, handling all of their on-prem and cloud infrastructure, and also helping design their first iteration of Axon.com. He spent the other half of his career on the manufacturing and reseller side, designing solutions for commercial, sled, and enterprise customers in the Southwest. And in this episode, we discuss some of the keys to design a highly resilient IT system and some of the best ways to vet an IT service management solution and the importance of keeping your data safe in the cloud. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. Eric, how are you today? I am doing well, my friend. Doing well. Awesome. It is uh, super awesome to have you as a guest on the show. So why don't we start off just by you introducing yourself and telling the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Eric Rivera. I'm a solutions architect with Red 8, a uh, value-added reseller. Um, I'm based out of Arizona, and I have about 20 years of IT experience, uh, both on the customer side, where I ran IT operations as the director for Axon, the stun gun body camera manufacturer out of Scottsdale. And uh, half of my other career has been on the manufacturer reseller side as well, designing solutions for uh, a plethora of customers from ranging from commercial, sled, and enterprise customers in, uh, in the Southwest. Okay. Nice. You, you have a great um, skill set there, a broad-based skill set. So looking forward to diving in. So the first thing that I think would be beneficial for the Gumbo listeners is like, what's the best way for uh, a Gumbo listener, you know, looking for IT service management to go about it, right? And what do they gain, you know, from partnering with someone on IT service management? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of the things that I've done throughout my career on the, uh, on the manufacturer side, reseller side is... Um, you know, building out what I call an IT atlas or an IT uh, tech profile, which is basically a 10,000 foot view of the customer's clients' environments, uh, ranging from all the way down the stack from networking, servers, the compute layer, storage, all the applications in the environment and cloud workloads. And then along with that, too, is to truly understand what their current initiatives are for the next six to 12 months and even long term and what they have on their project roadmap. So basically, we sit in a room for a couple hours. We map all of that out. We put it on a whiteboard. Then I go back to the home office. Uh, and put it on a Visio format for them. So again, a lot of our clients and customers don't have that holistic 10,000 foot view. They might have very detailed Visios of 
um, portions of their environment. But this gives them that high level view. And it also helps, you know, from a, a visual perspective for management to know everything at a high level, what's going on. So that gives them a ton of value because, again, we don't charge for this service, but it helps us on the back end understand everything they got going on, what are their initiatives and projects going forward to help architect and go down the path um, that they're headed. So it just gives everybody a a really good baseline to start with right out the gate. And I'm going to get you to clarify on uh, Visio because, you know, I may have some younger listeners out there. They may not know <laughs> what Visio is and, and what it's about and, you know, yeah. all of that. Can, yeah. Can you clarify? So, the, yeah, so the younger listeners might might know Lucid Charts, <laughs> which is the uh, the newer web, web version. So basically it is taking uh, what we draw on the whiteboard and put it into a format, into a digital format uh, with representations from the components. So we'll draw out all your switching, your storage, your compute, the applications, list them out, but it puts it in a digital format. So at that point, it becomes a living document. So as we continue our partnership down the road, we can always update it and keep it up to date with new things that are happening, old assets get retired. So we can use that as a living document going forward. So it's a really good uh, piece for customers, clients, but also as a as a partner um, to stay abreast of what's going on in the environment. Okay, I appreciate you explaining that. And uh, also, there's something called like a discovery process, um, going about just trying to figure out what your assets are, and really wrapping your arms around your entire IT environment. And let's talk about maybe a, a good, what's a good baseline for um, maybe designing a, a data management solution from your perspective, Eric? Yes. So again, I, I love to work off of empirical data, not just uh, something that says, oh yeah, we have about 50 terabytes or so, because <laughs> that always comes back to bite you uh, when, when the Maybe the person didn't know about the other 50 terabytes some other department was working off of. So I love to work off of empirical data. Um, and depending on the application, right, we have different discovery tools that we have at our fingertips uh, to gather that data and analyze it and pull it back. And again, really working off of exactly what numbers are coming out of the system. And then also taking that IT profile and maybe, hey, these applications weren't in scope or not in scope uh, for this, but we want them to be. So again, we can help build that uh, that holistic and make sure their their new data protection solution has all the assets they want to be included in that. And also, if we're working with customers that have legacy applications, maybe they don't have ties and hooks into the cloud. So again, we would gather that cloud data and then really you know, gather all those data points and then come up with a, uh, a really solid solution from that design. Okay. Can, can you provide some examples of what it looks like to design, let's say, a really resilient and secure system? Because you know and I know there's a lot of different threats out there. Ransomware is one of the topics that, that we all like to talk about. Because there's, there's stories for days about, you know, ransomware. This, you know, the city of Atlanta, you know, getting hit by ransomware and gas pipeline. And, you know, the stories go on and on. So what are some of the things that maybe you look for 
when you are or some of the things that you incorporate into the design, like, you know, immutability and encryption, et cetera? Yeah. And a lot of that stuff I consider table stakes now, right? That used to be big differentiators just five years ago. Like, hey, we had immutable backups, but again, the, the rise of ransomware wasn't mainstream, I would say, five years ago. So immutable backups weren't a huge differentiator. Now they, they're, now they're king, right? <laughs> Especially um, in, in environments today. So I look for um, vendors that I partner with that have those, those baseline table stakes, right? Um, immutability, encryption, uh, zero trust, ease of management, especially now with the workforce uh, that's that's out there today, right? It has to be uh, very easy to use because people are wearing multiple apps and then it has to be also um, portable, right? So m- multiple people can know the platform and you can't just have the one guru in the corner that knows uh the, the data protection platform. And if he retires or moves on, then you have nobody there to help out or, or know the, know the environment. And then, you know, scalability, protecting cloud native workloads because of how COVID changed everything, right? More people moved into the cloud and, um, having a platform that could do both on-prem and, and, cloud native and have that hybrid management is key. So again, I look for a lot of those things in in vendors and then also learning the competency of the clients I'm working with, because some of them might have dedicated, uh, you know, in enterprises, they have dedicated uh, data protection teams where they can scale that out and have, you know, more expertise in that. Or if you get into uh, some, some commercial accounts, right, they have one or three guys doing the the job of all of IT. So data protection is super critical. They know it, but they just, they have all these other projects in in hand. So they have to have something super easy to use and can scale out. And a lot of that too is, is having that where, where is the management plane, right? Does it live somewhere else or do they have to, to care and feed for it? Yeah. And as you were speaking there, I thought about that term data protection and what what's under that umbrella from your perspective is that is that backup and recovery storage is that security like what does that mean because back when i was a backup administrator backups were backups security was security and so there was a clear delineation that there was a security team and they were off doing their things with firewalls and setting up yes. um what do you call those things yeah, like IPSs. detection intrusion <laughs> detection devices and all these things and the backup guys yeah the backup guys were doing their their own thing and we didn't interface with the security team right but w- what's your definition what's that what's under the umbrella of data protection yeah so for uh for me for data protection it's a spectrum so everything can fall within from a data protection and that kind of melds into more of a data management because i see data protection being under data management but it also plays into your disaster recovery strategy because that's part of data management right what are we going to do in the event of x happening and but with that Right, you're looking at more key critical systems that you need to have operational, you know, 24/7 for some organizations, and they can't go down. Right, so we have to build out solutions that gives them, you know, those, you know, 13 nines of availability. Um, so there's that that component. So that I would say that starts off on the left hand side, right? Uh, maximum uptime, uh, 
disaster recovery, CDP, continuous, uh, you know, business on that end. And then as you move to the right, then you get into data protection where you have your, your normal daily backups happening, replication, uh, things of those sorts. And then as you go further to the right, then you get into archiving. So I, I see that all part of data management because, again, you know, as organizations uh, scale, they want to, hey, where does this data um, best live at the price point and availability? So again, for organizations that are looking at that, it, I, thought, I see that as a spectrum. And so it, it goes all under the data management umbrella. And then to your other question, as far as, hey, how, how are things delineated now? It's a, uh, it's a blended world, I would say, because of how critical data management has become uh, for organizations that have been compromised. Uh, the organizations that have a very strong data management practice, you can see they are able to recover from that without paying the ransom and be back online much quicker than organizations that didn't have a well-rounded plan and were just relying on one piece of that data management piece of the pie. So they thought, hey, I have backups, I'm good. And it turns out, hey, those backups were not good <laughs> and, and I was not able to recover from it. So I had to pay the ransom. So just everything comes into play from that perspective. So yeah, I see the data management, data protection teams working much, much closely with the security teams because they have to ensure that those backups, that's the last line of defense, that those backups are in pristine condition in case something happens. And a lot of cases it's turned into not if I get hit, it's when I'm going to get hit and then am I prepared and do I have, you know, run books and playbooks to get my systems online. So again, that's, you know, part of, part of this whole journey is, hey, building out those plans to get you to that piece. Not just having one layer to the onion, you have multiple layers to insulate your, your, uh, yourself and your organization um, to get your data back and have it protected. Okay, I'm going to pick out one thing you said. You said runbook. Uh, once again, for the younger audience out there, uh, Gumbo listeners, uh, what, what's a runbook, uh, Eric? Can can you explain what that is and why? Yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah, basically, it's the the steps that you must take if if X happens. So let's take ransomware for example. If you get hit with ransomware, this basically you know walks you through all the steps that are needed, people to contact, and just processes that you need to go through to get your organization back online as quickly as possible. So it is it is basically just, you know, hey, we we get hit, we bust out the run book, uh, we go through all these steps, we notify, you know, all these different people of what happened. Uh, in some cases, right, especially with ransomware, depending on how bad it is or what it is, hey, we might have to get the even the FBI and Homeland Security. I've had a number of customers that had to have them step in because of the severity of the nature um, and um, go through that. One other suggestion I would have that I had a, a customer have this happen. They had playbooks and runbooks, but they stored it digitally on the servers that got compromised. So again, just as a, as a best practice, right? 
you can have them in those locations, but just also, you know, you got to kind of go old school sometimes and have printed copies on, <laughs> on the shelves, even though it sucks because if you change something right, you got to update them constantly. But if you don't have a hard copy of that and something happens to the share, uh, where you have those stored um, or put them on a USB key or somewhere off of the network. So in case something happens, you have access to those. So they didn't have access to those and they were going off of memory and they missed a ton of steps in the process. And it just cost time, mm. right? Cost time and money yeah. is what it equates to. Yeah, that, that story is is pretty scary because, you know, in, in the backup world, you know, have you heard of 321 rule? Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We, we refer to the three, two, one (laughs) and, uh, you know, three different copies or three different versions and stored on two different types of media. And one of that has to be stored somewhere else, whether it's offsite or it's in a completely different location. And that'll, that'll help prevent, uh, some of the issues where you you're caught in a bad situation where you actually lose your, runbook or your planning document or all the details that's going to help you get your your uh, environment back up and running. So you, you mentioned cloud and cloud native workloads, et cetera. And so, you know, infrastructure as a service and platform and software as a service, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're seeing a lot of adoption around that. And what about SaaS, software as a service? What, what are you seeing there from, from your perspective? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of um, mainstream vendors moving more towards that model and moving that control plane where the brains of the organization is, is run out of a SaaS platform. So that way, you know, it helps from a customer perspective, from a scalability perspective, patching. Um, You can have the latest features readily available. So as soon as they get pushed out to the SaaS platform, you have access to it and you don't have to go and plan upgrades, go to change management, do all these things that you would do with traditional workloads. And you're getting all those features and and you're, you're having it provided to you from the manufacturer. So I'm seeing a much more adoption rate for that especially um, just as IT organizations are running a little bit more lean, they're just trying to find ways to have things managed for them from that perspective. So yeah, they're still responsible, right, for the daily backups, checking of those. But now the the backend, you know, keeping the lights on perspective is gone away from the, the control plane. So that's all managed by uh, X vendor. And um, they've gotten really good now and, um, you know, mu- have much more um, options. Before it was just, hey, we can back up your cloud workloads, and but you still have to have the control plane for your on-prem workloads. But much of, but over the last three or four years, now they're tying into that and saying, hey, from this SaaS platform, we can back up your on-prem, we can back up your SaaS workloads, we can even back up you know, applications like Office 365, Salesforce.com, directly uh, from the SaaS uh, management plane. So I'm seeing a big shift in that. And you can see a lot of the, uh, you know, traditional vendors moving that way, as well as the, um, the, the newer vendors to this space, really putting a lot of R&D into that, that area specifically. And have you ran across a situation where someone, they were not able to Basically, they, they may have lost 
some data within their science platform and they thought it was the responsibility of AWS or Azure or Google Cloud in order to help them get their data back. Have you ever ran across a situation like that? Yeah, yeah, I've I've ran across it uh, mostly primarily in an Office 365 environment on the on a SharePoint site. They, you know, they they moved all their file shares off of traditional, you know, Windows file servers, moved everything into SharePoint, and they thought, yeah, Microsoft's got got everything. I'm good, <laughs> and um, yeah, somebody um, accidentally blew away everything in a share, and nobody really reported it for for uh, uh, over 14 days. You know, they just didn't say anything, and then it got dumped out of the recycle bin and all their data was gone. And yeah, they, they, they try to do all these processes with Microsoft. Then Microsoft said, Hey, sorry, that's what we use uh, as our, our last measure is that recycle bin, but it recycles every 14 days. And so they were, you know, left out and they had to go back to some very old backups. They, they lost quite a bit of data because even just, you know, trying to pull backups off of their old file servers. Uh, luckily, they had a pretty decent retention period, so they could recover a, a good chunk of it. But any of the net new stuff that they were collaborating in the SharePoint site was all gone. So they had to just, you know, try to recreate whatever they could. But yeah, they lost data. And uh, one of the things you, you could go through several of those you know, very long end user agreements. <laughs> and there are specific, so you can Google, hey, what's my Office 365 um, uh, little blurbage? And they, they actually point out, hey, third-party applications for backing up your data. And it is, a, and, and SaaS is a very split model, right? They provide the the application, they provide the uptime, but that's all they're responsible for. And the end user, you're still responsible for your own data and the, your own retention. So um, yeah, if you go through all of those, they're, they're going to have all those legalese in their, in their user agreement saying, hey, if you lose data, that's on you and you got to bring in a third party or have some other kind of type of service, you know, backing up your data. So yeah, we, I've, unfortunately, I haven't, I mean, fortunately, I haven't seen too many of those, uh, just very few use cases, but, you know, I see it a, a lot more so from the office platform. But again, you know, there are instances where, you know, an AWS, uh, an S3 bucket got accidentally deleted. And luckily, they, they had some of the, the S3 uh, snapshots turned on. So they, they were able to recover from that. But that's, you know, a very lucky situation. If they didn't have those enabled for a costing perspective, they would have been lost without all their data. So yeah, it is, it is very good. Just like you pointed out the, the, the three, two, one methodology, right? You can have those and you just build layers to insulate yourself. So you can have the snapshots right there. That's great. Fast recoveries, but then have something else, you know, have another copy of it because you never know if something, if that snapshot uh, becomes unusable or it doesn't have that bit of data that you're looking for, you need to go somewhere else to find that. Yeah, and I've run across, uh, and, and believe it or not, most people don't, well, most organizations have, you know, 100, 200 plus SaaS applications, right? So do you have a solution to protect the data of each SaaS solution or do you even need one, right? Because 
you do you really want to run 200 different systems or third party tools in order to capture that data so you you really have to sit down you know cross functionally with that team and with all of your teams uh, who's managing these these SaaS applications to understand okay how are we going to get this data back in this SaaS application if something happens right if it's data loss here's how we recover it if it's ransomware here's how we recover it so listeners definitely need to sit down and think about that and have that conversation with your CIOs uh, also bring in your CISO as well so uh, let, let's shift a little bit to just you know data governance and compliance and regulations because you and I both know that's a huge component to uh, to IT today and making sure that you know your data uh, hygiene is up to par and you are complying with these regulations. What what are you seeing out there uh, overall, just from a data compliance, data governance perspective? What what do you see? Yep. So again, like uh, the conversation we had earlier with the security teams, the compliance teams are also blending in with the data management teams uh, because of just the sprawl of data and where it's living, right? The, the data compliancy teams are saying, hey, I have this, this minute focus on this area of control documents that I know about based on my, my company's compliancy, whether it's PCI, HIPAA, you know, if you have some kind of CGIS or GDPR or CCPA, whatever it is, right? There's a million. <laughs> it seems like there's more every day uh, from a compliance perspective. So they say, hey, I know where I want to keep an eye on, but there's so much more in the environment going on. So with, with data protection, data management, that has a pulse on pretty much, you know, 99 to 100% of all the data going on in the environment. So from, from that perspective, we're seeing much more use cases from your data management plane where you can use that data because it's copies of your data. So let's leverage this instead of just having it as an insurance policy if something bad goes happen. Hey, what else, what other use cases can we use your backup data for? And one of the big ones is compliancy. Looking at that data to see if we can scan through it using, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning to find patterns for credit cards, social security, birth dates, and use that data and use that data lake and having a much more broader scope from a compliancy perspective. Because not only do you want to know where the data is and to remediate it, um, also with the how sophisticated the ransomware attacks have been been happening, not only are they encrypting your data, but in some cases, they're exfiltrating the data. So if you can go through and say, you know, after you do, if you do get hit and you get uh, ransom and they say, hey, we've ex exfiltrated, you know, 10,000 of your files, um, you can go back through if you have that compliancy piece and say, hey, you know, out of all the stuff that we believe was compromised, uh, none of that data had any kind of, you know, sensitive data in it. So we would just do recover and we'll be fine. Or if there is some sensitive data in there, you can be pre more prepared on the front end as opposed to, you know, just continuing to happen. And that was one of the, the big cases uh, with one of the police departments back in the Northeast, right? They got compromised. They weren't going to pay it hey, we're not paying the terrorists. And they're like, well, we exfiltrated the data. And then, you know, they slowly leaked it out until they ended up having to pay for it because 
a lot of uh, sensitive data was breached. So again, the worlds are blending uh, from from data management because it does touch everything pretty much in the environment. You know, your the data management teams having you know talks with compliance, with security, uh, everything in there, and that, and again, we're seeing much more people leveraging. Hey, if I can find platforms one to simplify my environment, that I can leverage you know it more for than just backup. It really helps you know sell that solution for an organization, and especially if those those bits and pieces are done in SaaS. They can get that up and running in a matter of a couple of days and get results from that much faster. So again, it's tying back into that and leveraging the machine learning because if if an organization thinks that their IT department can do it on their own without any kind of <laughs> uh, machine learning or AI, they're just fooling themselves because there's no way a single person can go through millions, billions of files looking for this and, and hope to ever yeah, succeed. yeah, that's uh, that's critical, and you you mentioned you know leveraging you know automation and you know that can be artificial intelligence and machine learning, and then you have you know APIs right that you can actually go in and do orchestration, and you can plug into some of the APIs and write scripts to to do certain things a lot quicker and faster and create these workflows, uh, etc. What are you seeing from just from leveraging automation from that perspective and, you know, in the IT service management industry? Yeah. And I, I, I see that as, you know, it's really bumping up a lot of these IT organizations from an overall usability. You know, it's, it's, it's getting the developers and end users from going out and creating shadow IT. Cause if you can give them that, that, you know, cloud experience, but leverage it and control it yourselves, then they'll use it, right? And, and it's not going to be having all this shadow IT around and all these different bills coming in. And they, if they can leverage that and go through a workflow and have all this stuff. So if they have a workload running, it, it bombs out. They need to, to spin up a new instance of it very quickly, right? You know, they just put in a request, it goes through approval, boom, boom, and then they have access to it. You know, that's the that's, that's the kind of type of experience that everybody's becoming accustomed to is, hey, I put in a request, it goes through, and I have my environment back very quickly. So that's what I'm seeing from an automation perspective and the organizations that are really embracing that and leveraging, they are having much more customer satisfaction and the ability to provide those services and not having people go out and do their own thing and then finding out after the fact or, hey, there was some data that got, you know, that shouldn't have been somewhere else was somewhere else or, you know, using personal accounts and all this stuff, right? It, it just brings everything back in and, and reins it in. But again, you have to provide that service to, to those end users. And the same thing, like if you can provide an end user, hey, I'm on my laptop, I'm working from home, I, I deleted my Excel file, can I get that? Instead of putting the burden right on IT, they can put in a help desk, we can integrate with, you know, a lot of like service service now or whatever you guys whatever they're leveraging right it can kick off then it can show them a list of hey here's all those file names from the backups which one do you want click it you know and and really give a self self-service portal so they, they 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 can get it and it doesn't you know burden the help desk folks so they can focus on other 
you know, customer service for other tickets that are much more involved, but things that you can automate that are kind of daily stuff, you know, we're seeing really much more high customer satisfaction uh, with those, uh, with those IT organizations that leverage embrace it. Because again, how are you going to do more with less? And the only way to do it is with, you know, automation, orchestration, or AI and ML. Hmm. Okay, this has been very insightful, Eric. I uh, appreciate you you being here. And one one final question for you: uh, wh- What are you reading? Is there are there any any interesting books that you're reading that maybe the Gumbo listeners will you know want to go and check it out on Audible or maybe even go into the the library? Who does that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm still. Um, you know, still as far as, you know, just my presentation skills, not doing a ton of ton of the reading itself, but going through more of the Toastmasters, mm-hmm. making sure, mm-hmm. you know, my, right. again, I think it's <laughs> almost everybody's fear, right, is public speaking. So yep. because I do a lot of it, again, you would think, hey, after 10 years, this guy should have his stuff together. Um, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> so again, it's just how, how to be presentable, you know, really keep the, the, the engagement up, right? Not just, hey, just talking to you with the speeds and feeds, but really getting input and feedback. So again, more so of that, you know, talking. And I know for, you know, the customers as well, right? They got to be prepared as well and they got to sell it internally is they can't just rely on hey i got a presentation from from my reseller and i'm and i just show it to my boss and he's going to buy off on it right they got to know and they got to be able to sell as well internally uh why we need this so yeah more so right now it's more so focusing on you know presentation skills talking uh getting in front of people so yeah that's what i'm doing right now Mostly. I'm just going to say Toastmasters is is great. I mean, that's like the number one way to, you know, you have to get up in front of your, your Toastmasters class. Sometimes they have impromptu speeches and things like that. It just makes you more comfortable having those types of conversations. And maybe I need to go back and join myself because <laughs> I, I had a good time as well. But uh, Eric, it's it's been a pleasure having you on Data Protection Gumbo. And uh, any, any final outgoing call to action from you? Yeah, I would just say continually keep looking at ways to improve. And always, again, you know, from a, I know this is around data protection. So, you know, constantly be testing your backups ensuring your backups are in a good state you know and not just relying on hey i got a report that morning that says everything's good you know and again the way to do that and and really test yourself is if you can automate orchestrate that you know hey have have after the backup happens have the systems be smart and you know perform backups and recoveries and then you know then validate that way and scale out that way so again ensure test daily uh, if and when possible. Um, so just to make sure you're you're well protected and be up for looking at, at newer technologies as well. You know, a lot of these vendors have really, you know, grown up over the last couple years. So I know people are super, you know, creatures of habit, right? We get comfortable. We don't like change. But sometimes uh, change is, is, is what is needed to uh to take the next step. All right. Very well said, Eric. Thank you again for being on Data Protection Gumbo and uh, over and out. All right. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.